Well, hello, gentlemen. John, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm outnumbered right now. Two people born in Canada on the call. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Better I'm watch out, Pat. I'm immediately uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you and I spoke, I think, over a Zoom call for a BTWB challenge, right? And then Correct. we just started chatting on that Zoom call about your affiliate and what you had going on. And mm. you mentioned that you had a, a specific program that we're going to dive into. But but before we get to that, give us a little backstory on yourself, your affiliate, you know, what's it called, where are you located, all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, I started CrossFit in, I think, 20 or 2009 in the Cayman Islands. And I came back to Canada in 2011 um, with the CrossFit bug and, and, and thought, man, this is something I really want to do. And by 2013, uh, some friends from university and I had opened our affiliate CrossFit All Levels in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, where we all went to university. And we've been an affiliate for eight years now. And, um, you know, for the past three years, we've had an adaptive program and it's become kind of a pillar of our community and a pillar of what we do at the affiliate. So awesome. Just to establish your decision making tree. You were experiencing the weather in the Cayman Islands and you said, you know what, <laughs> I, I think Canada is where I need to be. Yeah, yeah. Missed the cold, missed the seasons, you know, missed the taxes, missed all those things and said, I need to come back. Well, let's yeah, back up a little bit, if, if you don't mind. How did you end up in the Cayman Islands in the first place? Uh, yeah, after I graduated university, I had a couple of friends who had gone down there and just were singing the phrases high and low. And I thought, you know what, that sounds like a good plan. So I went down there and what turned, what started out as a, a six month, um, a six month plan turned into a seven year stay. So, Oh, wow. Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and, I had one of those too. It was a 17 year, uh, off of a one year plan. So yeah, <laughs> I, I know exactly what that's like. Exactly. And before we kicked off the podcast, you know, we're kind of chatting before we hit the record button. And I made mention of the fact that I like the name of your gym, CrossFit All Levels. And you said that was actually born in the Cayman Islands. What was the backstory on that? Yeah, I was born in the Cayman Islands. We, um, My friend who owns the affiliate down there, uh, CrossFit 7 Mile, he had classes at one time that were kind of structured towards where you were in your CrossFit journey. And so he had classes for all levels. He had classes for beginners and he had classes for advanced athletes. And it just kind of struck a chord with, with, uh, myself and my partners. And we, we said all levels, and, you know, that sounds like something that we could, we could open up with, you know, it's, uh, it, it encompasses everything. It encompasses everyone. And that's what we wanted. We weren't a specifically a gym for anybody other than people who just loved CrossFit and, you know, working out and hanging out. It's a great name. I, I think it's yeah. a, a phenomenal name. And you said you guys opened up in 2013? That's correct. Yeah. I'd also like to say that if it's not already on a shirt, working out and hanging out, like that's your next one right there. That's working that's out it and right hanging there. out. Absolutely. Boss approved. Yeah, it's yeah, fantastic. For sure. So, so, man, you guys have been open for quite some time. You know, you're not quite at the 10 year mark yet, but it's not too far off. So, you're yeah. obviously doing something right with regards to running a community, being successful, you know, which, which, you know, we always enjoy talking to affiliate owners just to kind of share that knowledge. But specifically, you know, when you and I were chatting months ago and whenever it was on that, on that other Zoom call, mm -hmm. you said that 
you know, were you approached by one of your members who has a child with Down syndrome, or did you know the child specifically? Like, what what created or identified the need in your mind? I think it just came through a conversation. Um, you know, he was a member, a, a good guy that I enjoyed talking with, and I I think that his his daughter. He's got two daughters and they had been in the gym before. Like we had a very, we have a very family friendly gym. I've got two, two young girls who've grown up in the gym. And I think they, his daughters had been there and we kind of just got talking about, um, you know, his, his home life, his family life. And, um, just about how there was a lack of programs for people with disabilities, especially with Down syndrome. And once they hit a certain age, um, mm-hmm. it seemed to be that. For younger kids, there was more support once they got to that kind of teenage um, kind of age group, then things kind of fell away and they're a little bit on their own. Um, and so we we said, you know, maybe we can try to put something together. His wife is a very passionate advocate for for uh, Down syndrome. And so we got into conversations and she reached out with some of her contacts and we were able to, to put something together. Um, our very first class was, I think, July 2018. And uh it was it was born out of that, and it's been three years of trials and and you know different iterations and and trying things that worked and didn't work. But it's like I said, it's really become a part of of who we are at the gym, and and it's become part of one of our core values. So, wow, you know, well, that's really interesting that uh, you know you identified this need where there are resources for younger people that have these types of challenges that they're dealing with, but then as time goes on, that becomes less and less true. I, I have a friend who is in a similar situation. You know, his son has some uh, some issues. And now that he's an adult, he effectively has no resources available to him other than what his immediate family can provide. So it, yeah, that definitely seems to be a theme with people that have these these types of things that they are, you know, working with. So to tie that into kind of this all levels thing, this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, but mm. I think that's also true for all of us. Um, if you think about, you know, your experience recreationally at a young age, you know, lots of people play lots of different sports. They have exposure to, you know, whatever is going on. Uh, and then as you work your way through school and you become more and more of an adult, quote unquote, and you have responsibilities, there there are less pathways for that. So it's it's cool that in effect, what I see is that you're opening that up like like your original intent is for everyone. It's it's just a little bit more visible for the majority of us because those outlets already exist. So that uh, it's great. Yeah, it's definitely something that pulled me into CrossFit to begin with. Uh, personally, you know, same thing. I played a lot of sports. I did a lot of recreational activities as I got older. Those, as you said, those opportunities kind of dwindled, and mm-hmm. that CrossFit environment atmosphere kind of brought me back to you know, teamwork and camaraderie and high fives and all the good stuff that's in there. And that's, I think that's what essentially what you want to share with everybody. Um, and with the adaptive program, that's, it's one of the brightest spots in our, in our week and our day is when the kids come in because they're just so full of energy and enthusiasm and, and ready to go. And we kind of look at ourselves sometimes and it's the last class of the day and we're like, Oh, dragging our butts and they, they show up and it's just like, okay, here we go. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you said that you identified specifically in teens or young adults, that there was this gap, this, mm-hmm. this need, the younger children specifically had more opportunities or programs or whatnot. 
you know, it's my understanding anyway with Down syndrome and some of the areas which a baby or a child can be affected if they have Down syndrome, that many of them require, be it speech therapy or occupational therapy, um, special attention in the classroom as well for, you know, to make sure that they're keeping up with, with learning and things of that nature. Is that something, I'm not sure how familiar you are, I'm sure you're quite familiar now, but when that started, are those things that I just mentioned, things that generally happen with the younger children? It's because it seems like they're getting a lot of attention in certain areas. Does that fade as they reach the teens? And now, like you said, you were left with this kind of gap for them? Or, you know, what did you yeah, see? To, as far as I know, yes, because it's it's like you get the support to get to a certain level where you're, you're kind of deemed to be able to take care of yourself. Right? I see. So, okay. So once you get to that, then it's, it's, um, you know, okay, this person is, is functional and can do the things that, that they need to do on the day to day. Um, but, but after that, I've heard it termed acti- activities of daily living and activities of da- daily mm. interest. So once you get to the, activities of daily living and you're able to take care of yourself, then it kind of, it fades from there. Uh, mission accomplished. Right. Right. Which is, you know, in discussions with, um, staff, Matt's wife who runs a, a foundation called chasing Hazel, you know, she feels the bar is set too low. It's like, okay, well you can do these things, but she wants people to have the opportunities to do everything. Right. You want to go, mm-hmm, and yeah. play, you want to go play tennis. You want to do CrossFit. You want to go swimming. You know, those are the things that we should be striving towards having communities like Down syndrome be able to do, not just, you know, can they take care of themselves on a day to day basis, kind of the very low baseline. We want to raise that bar and say, let's be able to do all the things. Yeah, you mentioned crude. This is a crude analogy, but I feel like that model is uh, similar to the way a lot of people frame physical therapy, right? It's like, okay, Mm. you get an injury. And we get you to the state that you are uninjured. Mm. And that's that. You're released into the wild and good luck to you. But for most people, that is pretty unsatisfying and certainly not what's going to set them up for long-term success. So that's immediately yeah, my mind kind of goes to that same model. Yeah, that's a that's a, a perfect analogy. And it's one that we do have physiotherapy here as well. And it's it's something that Hazel, who is Matt's daughter, is now enrolled in because we have a physiotherapist who feels the same way that, that it's not just get them to a certain point is that get Mm -hmm. them to the point where you can do whatever you want. You know, you want to go sprint a hundred meters. You want to go play basketball. We can do all those things. Yeah. So you identify this need, you've got this young woman, Hazel, who has got down syndrome. And I I love where everybody went with this, identified the need. Let's see what we can do. Haven't done this before. Let's just jump into the deep end of the pool. I wouldn't consider that as an outsider. A combination of courageous, um, slightly scary or nerve wracking. You know, I I could see a trainer in a new situation like, hey, Joe's going to come in today. He tweaked his knee skiing, and this guy's well. I've, I've never dealt with a tweaked knee before. I, I'm this is going to be a tough class. And now it's like, well, hey, Hazel's coming in. Hazel's got Down syndrome. I'm trying to be like, um, what are okay? This is day one. What are we doing? What what was that launch of the program like? Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely scary. I it was something I had never done before. I never worked with a population like that before, and um, it was kind of just jump off and and see what happened. Um, 
the first classes we did were specifically for the kids who had uh, Down syndrome or or disabilities, and we had lots of support. But even then, I I had no clue what to expect, what to do, what to you know how to scale things. It was a right. it was a definitely a learning experience. And you know now looking back on three years ago, and thinking how that first class went, and the feelings that that were kind of running through me at the time and just like, man, this is just kind of like, hold on, let's just try to get through this hour without any crazy incidents. And then as you go through it and you get to know the athletes and you get to know the people in the class, it just opens up all these new possibilities. And like over the three years, the, the transformation we've seen in some of the athletes has been beyond phenomenal. You know, I think I mentioned to you, Julia, that, that one, the, the first adaptive open in her division, like she came in first place. Mm-hmm. And that was to see her step in the gym three years ago to where she is now is unbelievable. Yeah. I, I look yeah, forward to awesome. diving into some of her accomplishments for sure. But, uh, you know, st- sticking with the class that you started for the moment, I don't want to say anything since we try to keep this as a professional podcast that could come <laughs> off as uh, reckless or negligent or whatever, but <laughs> You know, in yeah. this kind of situation, I would seem you're going to be taking in this client with Down syndrome. There's not really a good course on Down syndrome and constantly varied functional moves at high intensity. Right. Like I don't, they're almost to me as an outsider. Seems like there's no level of preparation you could have done that would have made you feel like I'm totally 100% confident and ready today. That that the most important thing you could have done was just start, just get her in there, start to figure stuff out use your intellect, compassion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put on the kid gloves. I mean, is, is that, you know, that's why we're having you on this podcast so that hopefully people can learn from your lessons, but was starting the critical step or was there a way in hindsight you could have been more prepared if you knew A, B, C, or D? No, I think you're right. I think just getting started was, was the whole key is just getting it, getting the, the hours and the classes under your belt and, just making those relationships and getting to know, you know, cause each athlete's so completely different mm-hmm. what the capabilities are. Like I, I think that when I look back on it, it's, it is exactly like having a regular class. You need to get to know everyone's abilities and their, and the things they can and can't do. It's just right. building the relationships. But that first jumping off point was, was very scary. And I think that just doing it and kind of just, just saying, yeah, we're just going to jump off. Hope we grow wings on the way down. <laughs> and, and figure it out. And, yeah. you know, I think if we hadn't done that, I don't know if it had ever gotten started. And it's the thing is, too, is that, as you said, there's no blueprint. We didn't know what we were doing was not was not something that had been done commonly before. And like, mm-hmm. when we went to look for supports and we went to look for for things, we went, oh, wow, this is this is something that's not really, you know, commonplace. And so there was nowhere mm-hmm. to really look. So we were just kind of making it up as we went along and hopefully and thankfully we had lots of good support and good people on board so it it smoothed it out a little bit for us yeah i, I really want to highlight what you just said there about how if you'd waited until the perfect moment or waited until you felt that you had enough information you you never would have had the program start in the first place and i think that's so important for people to hear not just if they choose to work with special populations but regardless of the new endeavor that they're starting within their gym or even their life, really, you know, the conditions are always going to be subpar. You're always going to find a way to convince yourself that I can do this later and it'll be better. 
But at the end of the day, if it never happens, you cannot help those people that you intend to help. So get in there. And, and I think the expectation is really the killer, right? I think people sometimes come into this and they think, okay, I'm going to start this new program and it has to have a lot of buy-in from a ton of different people. And, and these athletes have to really excel. And it's like, no, none of that matters in the beginning. So can you map out kind of what was your expectation on day one, week one, month one, as you're working through this? Yeah. I mean, when we first started, first started, as I said, it was just getting through the hour and, and being able to, to come back again the next week and do it again. And, and as we, we got to know our athletes and, and knew what we could do and how we could push, push them a little bit, because everyone needs a little bit, a little bit of a pushing. Um, it, it allowed us to kind of grow and offer more things and do, and actually kind of, kind of fall back into more of a classic CrossFit style class where we could, we could see what they could do and say, okay, I know I can scale to this for this athlete. And I know I can scale to this for this athlete made it less of a, an informal get sweaty session and more into a, a regular CrossFit style class with, um, better supports. You know, one of the things we ended up doing is having, having boards where we would put visual representations of what each movement was. Um, and oh, then right cool. beside it. Yeah. So that, that came from Steph as well too, like kind of a storyboard where the workout today is, is friends. So we have a picture of someone doing a thruster and someone doing pull-ups and then beside it, what you're expected to do, whether it's a time domain or it's the number of reps or whatever it was. And we found that, that athletes with Down syndrome really respond well visually. And they also respond better to time domains. You're going to do this for two minutes, or you're going to do this for one minute, as opposed to reps. You know, once there gets to be a lot of reps and a lot of different moving parts, things start to not go as smoothly. But when we're able to break it down into more easily digestible stuff, it's, it was a lot better for us in, in that respect. You have set me up perfectly. I, I could literally show you on my, <laughs> on, my, on my piece of paper I have written down right now that I wanted to have you walk me through a class and the most infamous CrossFit workout is France. So I was going to use that as an example. So let's, you touched on some things, but let's, let's do that. Let's say that the, the workout of the day at CrossFit all levels is Fran. And now the adaptive class rolls around. I, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance right now. I truly don't know if, if I have a client with Down syndrome, can they do thrusters and pull-ups? Does, does Fran look like that, but lighter or does Fran look entirely different so what what would fran look like at the adaptive class well it, it's it just depends on the athlete but i mean it fran looks like fran fran looks like let's get a barbell out let's get some dumbbells out you know maybe it's ring rows maybe it's jumping pull-ups maybe it's banded okay. pull-ups um you know it's it's athlete dependent but it's definitely going to be fran there's going to be a lot of intensity. There's going to be some competition. We've got some athletes that love to compete nice. against each other. Um, you know, there's going to be all the things that you would normally see. And because our adaptive class is a completely inclusive class, you know, you're going to have someone with Down syndrome rocking out Fran with dumbbells and and jumping pull-ups next to someone who's doing Fran as RX and, you know, maybe coming in under three minutes. So it's it's that kind of class. So there's not it's not that divide where it's like, okay, over here, we're going to scale Fran to, to something that's, that's really easy. And over here, we're going to have, you know, same thing, but it's that inclusive, inclusive class where we've got 
everybody working out besides everybody. So it makes it makes a great environment because then everyone can kind of feed off the energy of all the other athletes as well. Now, was that something that you guys started with where you had the conscious decision to integrate everybody into the same class as you started this uh, adaptive program? Or was it you started with the adaptive athletes, got them comfortable, kind of bridged the gap of their skills, and then introduced them into kind of, I don't know what you call the gen pop, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it actually started as a as a class specifically for for people with with disabilities. And then as it kind of morphed over the years, we just we thought, you know, what's the ultimate goal here? What's the end goal for our athletes? And the mm-hmm. end goal is for them to be able to come to any class at any day or to walk into any CrossFit gym anywhere in the world That's awesome. and say, Hey, I want to do CrossFit. I'm going to do a drop in. It. And we've had yeah. and we've had we've had athletes do that who who travel and you know drop in on other CrossFit boxes and it's not like they put on their drop-in form. Hey, I have Down syndrome. They're just like, "Hey, I'm coming for a CrossFit class." I'm a CrossFitter, yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. And that's that took I a while that. to kind of to kind of realize that goal. But but once we figured figured that out, that we wanted our athletes to be able to participate anywhere, the total inclusionary model became what we we're striving towards. So this Man. class, this adaptive class, from my understanding, started with just Hazel. No, sorry. Hazel, Hazel was, was, is pretty young. It was, it was Hazel's mom, Steph, who, who identified the need and Hazel's not quite of the age yet, but she, Steph has a foundation called, called chasing Hazel because uh, she's a a huge advocate for, for Down syndrome and Down syndrome awareness. And that came out of her being the parent of someone with Down syndrome. And she just identified the need being in the community and we said, okay. So now this class that started because of a need identified for specifically the parent of somebody who had Down syndrome, now it's an adaptive class. What's the range that you have in there? Is it just individuals with Down syndrome? Adaptive could mean somebody who is an amputee. Like what sort of clientele are you dealing with in that class? Yeah, we we open it up to everybody. Um, Right now we've got majority of our athletes have down syndrome because of the connection we have with the community. Okay. But we do have some, we have some kids with autism. We've had kids with cerebral palsy before. Um, so our, our goal is to have anyone who wants to participate, participate. So it's not, it's not about, you know, what you may have or may not have. It's just about your desire to participate. And is the learning process, I assume just as steep, right? I mean, again, I'm going to make some assumptions where the trainers get comfortable We've got X amount of kids with Down syndrome. This is great. I'm in a rhythm. I know how to scale. I know about how the yeah. warm-up should go. And then you're like, hey, we're going to have a new member of the class. You're like, fantastic. Come on in. They've got cerebral palsy. You're like, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm starting over at ground zero again. Like, how does that work? It it, it basically works like that. It's uh, <laughs> We get some new, some new athletes introduced to the program. And it's up to us to do a little bit of research. And again, to, to feel out the athletes. Our, our onboarding process has become a lot more thorough and detailed now before that was we didn't, a, another place I wanted to go. Please, please dive into that a bit. Yeah. So when we first started, we wanted to have the lowest kind of barrier to entry we could have. And we didn't really have much of an onboarding process for our adaptive athletes. Cause we, we thought, you know what, we just want to get them in here. We want to get them moving. We want to mm-hmm. get them comfortable. Um, at that time we were kind of building workouts that were a little simpler to, to coach and to implement. Um, and then now, because we were basically just taking whatever the workout of the day is and 
And that's what you're going to do in the adaptive program. We have a full foundations program based on kind of once we get to know the athlete, we'll figure out how many classes we think we need to run that athlete through in order for them to get comfortable in the class environment. Because it was just, you'd have the kids who had been there for three years and they're, they, you don't need much attention. And then you'd have new kids come in and it was like, okay, here we go. We're back to ground zero. So it's, it's been a process of, of learning and that, that foundations is a one-on-one class with the kids to get them, get them ready and, 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 and integrated. And that's been a big part of being able to continue to run it smoothly going forward. Cool. So as far as attracting new athletes, I'm really curious because I think about this a lot, just in, again, kind of the general population, you have the whole world. And then you have the slice of that that actually care about their health. (laughs) And then you have the slice of that that are going to choose CrossFit as an activity. And so you really do have this kind of subset of a subset. And now if you're working with a a population that's obviously going to be very small comparatively, is it something that you have actively sought out to reach out to people within those communities and say, hey, we have this available to you? Or has it been kind of more the organic approach where you have you know, connection with, with the Down syndrome community and you kind of wait for the word of mouth to spread that that's available to them? We've done a bit of both. Uh, a lot of it is word of mouth, but we have sought out and, and you know, contacted organizations that we think could help us help us grow the program because we always, we're always looking to grow the program and, and get more people in and, and just kind of give more people an experience of, of what we love so much about CrossFit. And um, it's been mostly through organic, uh, word of mouth, parents talking to parents, and we get a lot of people dropping in to, to watch and to just see if that's something they could oh, they think right. they could participate mm-hmm. in. Um, but yeah, I'd say organically is probably the biggest method of growth for the program. And then again, contacting organizations in the area and just saying, hey, this is what we've got. And we'd love to have some, someone come and try it out and people try it out. And that's how we've done it so far. And I think that's the way it's probably going to go forward. Cool. I got a, a question for you. So you discuss the onboard, you, know, you get them warmed up, the workout, if we're doing Fran or something, you know, scale or modify as needed. It, it still very much resembles exactly what Fran is. Mm-hmm. Some of the other cornerstones of CrossFit, for example, intensity. So it, with an adaptive athlete population, what does intensity look like in in that realm? Is it the same as anybody else? They're just you know hyperventilating on the floor afterwards and can't speak, or is that inappropriate? You know what's been your findings? Yeah, it's it's intensity as you you know as you said many times relative to that individual, but but it's intensity is intensity for the class. They they like to go hard. Um, a few considerations in in some of the populations we worked with is that um, you know especially specifically kids with Down syndrome tend to overheat a little bit easier. Oh, interesting. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So sometimes there's a, um, sometimes you kind of have to throttle it back a little bit and say, okay, we're just going to, we're going to slow it down in this portion, or we're going to take a break here, um, which is why the time domains kind of work well, you know, work for two minutes, rest for a minute, work for mm-hmm. two minutes, rest for a minute. But, but once they're comfortable with the movements and kind of know their own limits, it's, they're fairly self-regulating as, you know, you or I are when we we're in, in a Fran, we go until we have to put our hands on our knees and, and <laughs> suck wind for a little bit and then try to get back on it. Okay. And awesome. what about some of the other classic things? For example, the work of the day is seven by one deadlifts. Is that class going heavy? 
yeah, they're, they're going heavy relative to them as athletes for sure. Um, and that's one of the things that came up when we did jump into the open is that we had always been a little bit timid about loading things up. And as I had mentioned before, is like once the open came and said, well, here's what you have to do. And it's written on the paper there. It, it kind of took the, took the limiter off and we said, okay, well, let's give it a go. And then the things that, that some of the kids did, it was just unbelievable. We're like, we had no idea that was even in the realm of possibility. Man, and they how just, cool. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I'd mentioned how the open has always been a big part of our gym. And when the adaptive athletes had an open that they could participate in fully against other adaptive athletes, it was just, it, it just took it up a notch. It went from here to here and we said, okay, all right, limiters off. Let's go and do this now. So a seven I by one it. deadlift day. Yeah, that's it. It's they're going heavy. They're doing what they can do. Uh, okay. So following the same kind of thought process, um, we've talked about intensity. We talked about going heavy skills, learning yes. new skills and complex skills. I mean, I think that if you were to look at con- quote unquote conventional knowledge around training anybody really but never mind special populations it's almost like there's this attitude out there that once you get to a certain stage of life like yeah learning new things just doesn't matter anymore especially if they're physical things and you should probably not even try because they're too complex and you'll get hurt i know my response to that but what has been your experience teaching skilled movements to people of these populations yeah, it's, it's, it, it can be a little more challenging. It's, uh, you know, the skill acquisition might not be as, as quick, but it's, it's just that gradual process. And it's that micro dosing of like, Hey, we're going to try this for a little bit and then we'll shut it down and we'll try pick it up again next week. And it's, you know, again, very relative to the, to the athlete, but, but in my mind, you know, the kids that we work with can pick up any new skill and and it's going to take maybe a little bit more time but they're in it for the long haul and they're and they want they're so eager so eager to learn new skills and so eager to do all the things that they see everybody else doing so it's it's just a matter of 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 taking the time and and just letting them know that it's not going to happen today and maybe it won't happen tomorrow but but we'll get there we'll eventually get there with whatever that skill is i would have to think that you know again just for the record Boz knows this, but just so everyone else knows, I'm not a physician. You know, I barely graduated (laughs) college. They could have been confused about that. Barely graduated college with a degree in sociology for what that's worth. But, you know, CrossFit in general, uh, high skill movements, movements demanding of the neurological components are so beneficial to just you and I that I would assume with a special population that potentially there's some central nervous system issues, there's some gross motor skills versus fine motor skills, that the heck with the loading, even if I'm just working on the Bergner warm-up with a PVC pipe and they are trying to engage their mind to their muscles to the sequence and there's that, there's that practice and it's good that it's difficult, I can see that transferring greatly into just everyday life. So as an outsider, I would think with the appropriate loading, et cetera, et cetera. But I would think high skill is going to be some high reward as well. For sure. And and we've had, you know, lots of comments from parents saying, you know, the things that, that my kid is able to do now, you know, and they, and they attribute it to CrossFit um, has blown them away. Right. Mm. Just whether it be athletically or it just be day-to-day life. And, and, and as you said, you know, 
learning those motor patterns and learning that neurological connection, it's just opening up new avenues where now, you know, maybe now a kid's not afraid to walk up the stairs without holding the rail, or Mm. maybe they're, they're not afraid to, you know, get into a race with somebody at school or whatever that might be because they're, they're, physical capacity and their confidence level, you know, a huge thing is that confidence level as well is just going up and up and up. Man. Yeah, that's really great. I, um, I mean, I can't emphasize enough how I think that there's kind of this dividing line of attitude among people that you meet and you have this on one side of the fence, the attitude of that's well, hard. Therefore you shouldn't do it because it's hard and you can't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Which to me seems so self-defeating when you spell it out like that. But on the other end of that is exactly what Pat said, where you're like, well, it's hard. Yes, but that's exactly why you should do it. And it doesn't matter if you're ever going to be the best at it. That's not the point. The point is that through that process, you're going to gain all of these offshoot benefits. And I mean, it, it seems to me, again, from the outside looking in, that that is you find a lot more people on the negative side of that framing when you start thinking about approaches to special populations. Mm-hmm. I know that that's certainly true with pregnant athletes I've spoken to, um, you know, athletes coming back from injury, adaptive athletes of all stripe. You know, there seems to be this prevailing attitude of, oh, well, we should kind of kid glove the whole process instead of embracing, well, this is where you are and what we have to work with, and we should expand from there. So, have, yeah. you, have you come across? that attitude on the the negative side and, and and how do you deal with it when you do definitely we you know it, it it more comes from maybe the parents of some of the kids who have are participated and they, and they they have a, a preconceived notion of of what their child can and can't do and they they kind of look at it and like oh that looks really hard and there's a lot of moving pieces and i don't know if my you know, son or daughter is ever going to be at the level where they can participate. And it's, it's always, you know, why don't we just see, why don't we just get in there and we see, and, and, you know, as, as a coach, my philosophy has always been, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. And we'll build your program around that. And that's never been more true than in in our adaptive population. It's like, don't let your limitations define you. Let let us figure out what you can do and push the envelope in those areas because it's, and that's, that's what we kind of try to get through to some of the people that have a little bit more of a negative attitude. It's like, no, this is not about what you can't do. This is about what you can do. And there's so many things that we can do with what you can do. Don't let Mm -hmm. the other ones weigh you down. So that's, that's always been our philosophy and our approach. And that's just what we kind of try to convey to the parents or whoever the person is that might say, I don't know, you know, it looks like it's too hard or there's too many things going on or, you know, there's two, uh, these people are, are too far ahead. It's just like, let's just, let's just, like you said, we just have to start. We just have to get started and then see where it goes from there. And, and, and with that approach, we've, we've changed quite a few minds and, and, and awesome. have people get, get the buy-in that they need. Yeah. That was going to be my follow-up is how many people soften after they get exposed and they kind of get, you know, their feet wet with the program. You know, do you see that I mean, maybe you just answered it, but it sounds like you have a pretty good success rate of people that might have a little bit of trepidation coming in. Fast forward a couple of months and they're like, okay, now we're all in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you can see, you know, the success measured by the smiles on the faces and the, and the increased capacity and all those things. That's, it's really powerful when, when they see, you know, someone in here enjoying themselves and smiling and laughing and getting fitter and doing more things and, 
and and wanting to come back. That's the big one is that if, mm-hmm. if, if we have kids that are now like asking their parents, can we go back again tomorrow? Can we go back again oh, that's tomorrow? Awesome. Right. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing as a parent myself. I know that when I find an activity for my kids that they actually want to go to and you don't have to drag them to, that's when you know you've got a winner. Mm-hmm. You touched on it a bit, but maybe you could just brag about it or highlight it for a little, a little bit more, because I, I, I would think there's something there, especially, I would think especially with this population. And that is, you know, there are things in CrossFit that are measurable. And those are the ones that we can say with great confidence will occur if you just keep showing up to the gym. You're going to get stronger. Your conditioning's going to improve. You're going to move your body better. You're going to improve your fitness. This, that's what we're doing. We're the world's best strength and conditioning program. Then there's all those intangible things that as a coach, having seen so many athletes that you know in your heart and soul will improve, but they'll seem like crazy propaganda if you told a parent, like, <laughs> your, your son or daughter is going to hold their head higher. They're going to have better friendships. They're going to be sharper in school. The parent be like, okay, look, t- take it easy for me, buddy, with the snake oil sales, right? <laughs> so, I'm, yeah. you know, and that happens with people that, I would think the special populations sometimes have, you know, regular folks have trouble fitting in, right? That I would think of the special population. If your child has something unique, kids can be mean, kids can be whatever. It's, it's tough for kids to fit in in general at school and all that. And now if that child on top of getting fitter just carries himself a little bit better, with a little more confidence, I would think that flowers and blossoms into all kinds of things that the parent didn't even know might come from the program. So what are, have you heard some of the stories from parents? And if so, what are they? Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've witnessed it as well with, you know, it goes both ways. It goes, it's, you know, kids that are in the program become more confident and, and, um, are able to to do things that maybe they weren't able to do, but also, you know, people who come into the gym who maybe have never had experience, um, working out alongside people with Down syndrome or people with disabilities then they suddenly get to know know someone who has has mm-hmm. disability and it's not such a it, it's not it, a it foreign become, experience anymore no, it doesn't become foreign it becomes you know like my my girls have grown up in the gym and they've grown up with the adaptive program and so you know that's they work out they do their crossfit kids on monday night with 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 hazel and with with kids with disabilities and it's just it's a it's a normal and natural thing for them now and it's not like oh this is how i have to act Mm -hmm. or this is what i need to do and it's it goes both ways the kids get who are in the program get more confidence and the people who are working out along beside them get more confidence that these are just regular people Mm -hmm. that are doing things a little bit differently and it just it it just that's why we love the program being inclusive because it it goes both ways it holds everyone to a higher higher standard kids and and the other people in it as well yeah, you narrow that gulf, right? I mean, you know, every what's the saying? No man is an island. And yeah. I think, yeah, to Pat's point, you know, I think everybody deals with alienation in their own life. But having that social outlet and realizing that you're a lot closer to people than you think is important for everybody, you know? So that's really cool to see that happening, like you said, from from both sides. Um, yeah, and I think that's the importance is because we when we first started, you know, we had kids working out along other side, other kids only with, with disabilities. And mm-hmm. then it's like, no, we want this all to be together. We want everyone mm-hmm. to work out in the same, in the same boat and, and get that comfort level. So it's not, 
this is different and that is something else. It's, it's we're all crossfitting and we're all doing it and we're all in the same class. And after we're all going to high five and say how horrible the workout was. <laughs> the, power, <laughs> the power of community. Power of suffering. Yeah. Workout and hangout. Workout and hangout. I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, one thing I wanted to, uh, to come back to there too was this idea of um, wanting to come back. And I think that's so cool that you're experiencing that with the yeah. um, adaptive program. But I want to highlight that to the listeners as a key indicator for any coach that your program is right. If people want to return, that means they're not so beat up from training that they are, you know, worn out and, and, uh, sore and all that kind of stuff. It means you hit that sweet spot. You got enough return on the training that you did, but you're not so beat up that you can't return to do it. That's important. Um, obviously they're having enough fun in the class that they want to be there again. I, you know, that is something that is so often overlooked in my opinion. Amen. Uh, that I think applies across the board. So I think it's worth highlighting that if you have a group of people and they want to come back, they are actively thinking about the next time they get to be there, you win. That's, that's it right there. That's coaching in a nutshell, create that environment. Yeah. I think that, I think that we have a, we have a community that's like that, that, that wants to come back and they want to hang out and they, they do, you know, that's the way yep. I think that's a, part of the stickiness of a good affiliate too, is, is if you've got mm-hmm. people that just are just hanging out after class and talking. And, and I've always yep. th- said, when I try to explain CrossFit as a whole to people who might not kind of know what it's about is that it's, it's an onion and it's not just about, it's got layers and it's not just about the workout and it's not about the thrusters and the pull-ups. It's about the, it's about the relationships and the community mm-hmm. and the shared ideas and all those things is what makes it super special. And that's something that, you know, you want to share with everybody regardless of yeah. where they're at. And, yeah, and, like, and like an onion, it'll make you cry every now and then. <laughs> it makes you cry. That's true. <laughs> well, the, it's funny being on the coaching end of that sometimes where, you know, I, I, distinctly remember having these experiences where it'd be a early morning class. You'd have that group of like, you know, six, 7am class and you just want to get out there and eat breakfast or whatever after that, that block of classes. And there'd be people hanging out and chatting and selfishly, sometimes you'd find yourself falling into the, the thought process of like, God, can you guys just go home? And then you stop <laughs> and, you, and you think about it and you're like, well, wait a minute. The fact that they would rather be here and they're lingering mm-hmm. in this space that we've created rather than go forward into whatever they have next in their day. Like that's Absolutely. pretty cool. Yep. So, yeah. so important uh, not to lose sight of that. You know, John, kind of as we close, I would love to give you the opportunity to just, you've got, a, I'm sure, a bunch of members that you could brag about, but one of the ones we highlighted, or I think it's worth highlighting, why don't you brag about your member, Julia, Julia Lane? Yeah, Julia Lane. She's uh, one of the founding members of our adaptive program. Um, she's also a world champion swimmer um special olympics she holds multiple world record hold or she's a multiple world record holder uh she came awesome. to us yeah she came to us in 2018 because she was at a swim meet where one of the other coaches mentioned how his swimmers use crossfit to to get stronger and to supplement their swimming and prepare for 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 meets and so her dad kind of sought us out and uh she's been with us like i said for three years and continues to shave seconds off of world records and seconds in like 50 meter fly and 50 meter butterfly, which is, there's not a lot of seconds to shave there. Uh Right. And so, um, you know, she has participated in the open every year that she's been here, but last year when it was the first year they had an adaptive vision and specifically for cognitive athletes, 
you know, we didn't know what to expect. So Julie went in, but she's a hyper competitive person. And she, she ended up placing first overall in her division. So it was a, it was a pretty amazing so experience. Awesome. Yeah, it was the way it happened too, is that she was leading after two, two weeks. And then in the third week came the, the, I think it was a three rep max deadlift event. And she's, she's a smaller athlete. And so she's not the strongest. And there was another girl that was right behind her. And we thought, Oh boy, this is going to be tough because you know, her three rep max deadlift is not, is not the best comparatively speaking to the rest in the mm-hmm. division. And so we saw this other girl put up this number that I'm like, Oh boy, that's going to be tough. Julia went out there and did her best. And then someone came out from nowhere and threw up a big three rep max that kind of bumped around the whole leaderboard and she ended up first <laughs> place. So we were like, it was, it was an amazing moment. And as I said, now she's in her swim season and then she's going to transition over to preparing for the CrossFit Open come, I think, January. Was she just awesome. over the moon when the leaderboard shook out and she was on the top? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's she's like she's just such a such a breath of fresh air. And she was hopping around the gym and screaming and we were all <laughs> hopping around and screaming with her. It was it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to be able to celebrate that. And, you know. Julia aside, all the other athletes that we had participate as well, too, you know, it was, again, seeing them do things that we didn't even think was in the realm of possibility was just mind blowing. And like I said, it just opened up a whole new avenue of training for for our athletes, just being able to say, okay, well, we know we can do this now. Let's bust out the barbell. Let's bust out this. Let's get a little heavier. Let's let's push the envelope a little bit. Yeah. So that's magic of the open. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a a wonderful story to to wrap on, Boz. I don't want to take your thunder unless you've got any questions that are kind of still lingering in your head there. No, I agree. I think that's the perfect perfect high note to uh, close out. So, John, I guess in closing, if people are watching or listening to this and either have a similar program or very much interested in starting one, how can people find you, reach out to you? What's some good contact information for you? Yeah, you can find us, uh, you know, at uh, all level all level CrossFit on. Instagram, Facebook, uh, John at alllevel.ca for email. Uh, I'd love to discuss and, and share anything that we've done, you know, and then also find some new information that we can maybe use and, and, and help us out as well, too. So always willing to hop on a call, chat and, and try to get better. Fantastic. Well, as, as we say at the end of all these episodes, if you're listening to this in just an audio format, of course, we appreciate the support. But we encourage everybody go to the BTWB YouTube channel, post a comment. Boz and I read those comments and they drive future uh, conversations. Post a question for John or have you had a different experience with an adaptive program? Lessons learned. Let's just make those comment sections as beneficial and as useful as we as we certainly can. So, John, once again, truly appreciate you making the time. It was fantastic. Wish you and your athletes the best in the all year long and the upcoming open as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Of course. So for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next week.